pray together. Gracious God, we welcome and open our hearts to a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit so that you may do with us what you love to do, which is always to bring new light and new love to us as we reflect together upon your Holy Word. So come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Three years ago this week, a bunch of you came over and helped us move into our new home up on Orange Street. And uh, in just less than an hour, we had everything inside our home. It was amazing. It took us two weeks to fill our crates, and it took one hour to unload them into the home. But there still remained one big metal desk that needed to be stored down in our garage all the way around the corner on Marion Street. And that desk was unbelievably heavy. Those of you who were with us will remember And so a word went out that we needed to quickly recruit the two strongest people in our group. And that's when the laughter started. Because it suddenly dawned on us that something of biblical proportions from the Old and the New Testaments was unfolding right before our eyes. Here were Moses and Jesus. Moses Jarba and Jesus Cruz carrying our desk down Orange Street. In fact, if Elijah had been there, we could have said transfiguration on Orange Street. And when uh, I saw how much we all enjoyed laughing together, I knew that we were going to be just fine here at East Chestnut Street. As we heard today, there's a time for every matter under heaven, a time to weep and a time to laugh. And by the way, those words come from Ecclesiastes and not the birds for those of you who were born in the 60s, to everything turn, turn. But you know, as Mennonites... Haven't we often struggled to hold together the gravity, a time to weep, and the levity, a time to laugh in our faith? Often emphasizing the first one, and perhaps sometimes neglecting the second. I know that I do. Just this spring, my dear daughter told me, Daddy, you've sure gotten way too serious lately. My grandma Nickel told me that growing up, especially on Sunday mornings, Sunday mornings were a time that were meant to be solemn, sober, and serious. Verses like Ephesians 5.4, which forbid any kind of silly talk in the church, 
She often heard preachers quote that verse to condemn lightheartedness and joking. And truth be told, with our 500-year Anabaptist history of persecution, of forced migrations, of church splits, there there hasn't always been a lot to laugh about. I asked Keith Weaver, moderator of Lancaster Mennonite Conference, out for coffee uh, around a week and a half ago. We had a wonderful conversation together. And he shared something very interesting with me. He shared that growing up here in Lancaster County, non-Mennonites were referred to as their gay neighbors. And, of course, this doesn't mean what it means today, but it's a very interesting insight. What he meant is that their non-Mennonite neighbors were not as solemn or serious as their plain Mennonite neighbors. It's just interesting to think about what that might mean. Now, it is true, following Jesus is no joke. Discipleship is a very serious matter. Following Jesus in a world today that feels especially violent and hateful and fear-filled right now. Amen? But doesn't faithful discipleship make the need for comic relief all the more urgently necessary? Humor helps us to mediate between the enormity of our tasks, boy, are they big, and our limited abilities. It helps us to mediate between the frailty of our efforts and the infinite magnitude of God's grace. And maybe that's why Jesus tells us that we have to receive the kingdom like children today. Because a child typically laughs 150 times a day. 150 times a day. This summer I read a biography about the poet Robert Lacks and his lifelong friend Thomas Merton, the Catholic mystic and social activist who wrote scathing critiques about the Vietnam War, about empire, about nuclear weapons, and about racism. And yet, when these two dear friends got together, I read, they would fill any and every room they were in with peals of laughter. In fact, Robert Lacks, a very thin, tall man, very big man, would often, when they were together, pull up his legs under himself and laugh with the glee of a five-year-old. Just picture that. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, like this? (laughs) When's the last time I laughed that way or you did? Now, people are often surprised when I tell them that a good place to start laughing is to read the Bible. The Old Testament in particular, when I read it through the first time, I could not believe the funny, earthy uh, stories that I kept on encountering. 
For example, in Genesis 31, Rachel steals the idols of her father Laban, hides them in her camel bag, and then sits on the saddle. And when Laban arrives, she says, I'm sorry, I can't move. It's that time of the month. Genesis 31, 35. 1 Samuel 24, 3. Saul, whom David wants to kill, goes to relieve himself. I'm not making this up. 1 Samuel 24, 3. In the very cave where David is hiding. All right? So they're both in this dark cave together. And somewhere in the darkness, David sneaks up behind Saul, changes his mind in the end, not to kill him, but instead only cuts off a corner of Saul's robe. Just picture that scene for a few seconds. There are also funny stories in the New Testament as well. In John 21, Peter, fishing naked sees the risen Jesus on the shore, puts on his clothes, and jumps in the water. <laughs> John 21.7. Go look at, look at it. And in Acts 29, Paul preaches so long that a young man falls, is listening in the windowsill, falls asleep, and falls out the window. Now, what about Jesus? I mean, we know he wept, but did he ever laugh? Certainly, Jesus was no Chris Rock or John Stewart in the Nazareth synagogue doing stand-up comedy. But his parables do reveal a keen wit and a sharp eye for the comical situations of everyday life. Jesus skillfully uses humor, and this is so important for us as people of faith. He uses humor to slip through the fiercely descent, or defended borders of our hearts. He knows that when we're enjoying a funny story, we relax, we forget ourselves, and the truth can come slipping in. His parables describe playful, a pr- playful and preposterous world where people share their jewelry with pigs. Casting your pearls before swine? Where people have two-by-fours in their eyes. Where people hide burning lamps under their beds. You don't want to do that very often, do you? And where people strain out gnats and swallow camels. If you've ever been in close proximity to a camel, uh, that's not a very appetizing prospect. Yet we all know that humor can often simply in our culture seem rude and crude and lewd. We're going through an election cycle right now where humor is often being used to mock and belittle others. So what 
characteristics might make humor distinctively Christian. I think to begin with, we laugh, first of all, at ourselves. Amen? Angels, it said, can fly because they take themselves so lightly. And I want to fly. Assured of God's grace, we are set free. We're set free. We're set free to move from the old, rigid, defensive self toward a more redeemed and playful and loving self. And when it comes to laughing at ourselves as Christians, there's no shortage of material, especially pastors. A pastor was greatly disappointed at the low-key reception she received upon arriving in heaven especially after seeing a cab driver receive a hero's welcome. She went and complained to St. Peter, who told her, when you preached, people slept. When he drove, people prayed. (laughs) As you know, our congregation is presently thinking about joining the Atlantic Coast Conference. Did you all know that? We're thinking about it. And one of the things that I am personally so excited about is the chance to leave a conference of churches and to join instead a conference of sports teams. (laughs) From North Carolina, Florida, and my alma mater, Virginia. Or maybe I missed something. Okay, so if a first characteristic is that we laugh at ourselves, a second is that we laugh with others rather than at them. Did you notice in our Genesis story today, after Sarah bears Isaac, she says, God, such poignant words, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about it is going to laugh with me. Everybody's going to laugh with me. No doubt, especially in her culture, she has spent most of her life being laughed at. But now she invites her community to laugh with her. And you might just keep that in the back of your mind. When you're laughing about something, are you laughing at somebody or with them? Here at East Chestnut, did you know why it's especially important to lock your doors in our parking lot? Um, (laughs) Shall I just go to my next joke? All right, Kevin, hold your fire. Did you know why it's especially important to lock your doors in our parking lot on a summer Sunday morning? Because if you don't, your car will be filled to the top with zucchini by the end of the service. (laughs) What's a church committee? A body that keeps minutes and takes hours. 
What is heck? It's where people go who don't believe in gosh. Oh. We need a drum set here. What's a yawn during a sermon? An honest opinion openly expressed. Seriously, deep laughter is crucially important to community life. When a group laughs together with each other, many pains are swept away. Many pains are swept away. Have you ever come home from a small group gathering or maybe a potluck filled with laughter, you know the deep belly laugh, hold your legs up kind, and suddenly you discovered that a dark depression had lifted? Or that suddenly an old grudge had been released? As Proverbs 17 says, a cheerful heart is a good medicine. Now, I don't want us to all go home today and to simply think that all Christian humor is just nice and inoffensive. Coming back from their Columbia trip recently, both our MYF talked about, remember the humor in the graffiti? Bryce talked about that. And remember with Samantha, she talked about what happened in the women's peace communities as they gathered together. And these two examples help us to see that authentically Christian humor is also subversive. Poking fun at the powerful. Helping us to resist evil. And giving hope to the oppressed. Inside and outside the church, laughter is God's special gift to those who are yearning for liberation. Danette and I experienced this in a very powerful way in China during the 1989 student protests. Out on the streets, people were drawing on signs hilariously funny cartoons about their leaders. And there was often howling laughter that would break out in the midst of students as they would give speeches to one another. And you have to wonder if maybe the same thing happened when Jesus called Herod a fox. We don't know. But clearly, when the powerless put on the full armor of God, humor is often one of their most effective and nonviolent weapons. And tyrants hate humor because it's something that they cannot control. Finally, humor and God's grace. 
share a common characteristic, the element of surprise. Have you ever thought about what actually makes something funny? Well, our dear Jay Parrish has. He's perfected it. And he told me this last week that it comes from the surprising collision of contexts. We're heading one way, we hear the punchline, and suddenly we're taken in a brand new surprising direction. For example, a Mennonite pastor was once asked to name the three books that most deeply shaped him. His answer. The complete writings of Menno Simons. The upside-down kingdom. And a flat tummy in 30 days. Uh, I liked it. (laughs) In the same way in life, we may think that we're just heading one way in our world of brokenness and sin and violence. And then suddenly, God's grace surprises us. And lo and behold, a relationship is mended. An injustice is overcome. Or a life is suddenly transformed. We're surprised. And when we are surprised and when we delight in this, I think we're connecting with what Jesus is talking about, about receiving the kingdom like a child, delighting in God's surprises. So friends, let me now close before anyone falls asleep or out of a window. And let's remember what we've learned today about humor. We've learned, first of all, that we need to laugh at ourselves. And in laughing with others, we build strong, healthy community. Good humor brings down the mighty and raises up the lowly. And it always surprises us, just like God's grace. So friends, let us all be joyful fools for Christ. Known for the twinkle in our eyes and the deep laughter in our bellies. Because as Jesus once said, in this world you're going to have a lot of trouble. But be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. Amen.